0: Hey, hey everybody this is laura spillers and i am here with becca wilder today and we are going to be talking about webster's women of courage and the meetings that are going to take place here in Minden, louisiana once a month starting tomorrow yes
1: all right everybody say hi well say hi becca hey everyone we are super super excited to get this going and cannot wait to see what God is gonna do through this ministry.
0: Okay, so first off, um, Becca, tell us about
1: Webster's Women of Courage. So the mission of Women of Courage is to encourage, (laughs) I can't talk now, encourage, (laughs) equip, and empower women of any background to be sold out and surrendered to God. And it really, it's just an opportunity to gather together as a community of women to worship Jesus, to learn from God's word, and to help women learn how to walk the Christian walk with courage. Um, you know, there's so many courageous women who are mentioned in the Bible. Uh, several familiar women like Mary, mother of Jesus, like okay, pretty courageous woman, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yes. <laughs> um, Rahab, Deborah, Esther, just really incredible women. Um, but there were two women that encouraged me as I was planning for Webster Women of Courage. Two women that I had never heard before, um, and i don 't know if you 've heard of these women before either, and i 'm going to say their names wrong because i 'm just going to say their names wrong, <laughs> but the women were Shipra and pua huh i don 't yeah. know if you 've heard of them okay I don't think so. so they were <coughs> midwives during the time whenever Pharaoh was the king of Egypt, so Pharaoh commanded both of these women to go and kill every boy that was born while they assisted with childbirth. Mm-hmm. But here's what Exodus 1, 17 mm-hmm. says. It says, The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. Mm-hmm. They let the boys live. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about courage, right? Power, powerful, yeah. I yeah. mean, that that to me just, I, just my jaw was kind of dropped. Like, mm-hmm. they disobeyed their earthly king. Right. <laughs> not knowing what might happen to them. But in the end, God blessed them. Mm-hmm. And I just love this picture of courage because it wasn 't just one woman being courageous, I, you know not to downplay right. any of the other women that, I, that right. I mentioned, right, but I just love that it was two women, mm-hmm. two women encouraging each other, mm-hmm. being courageous together. I love it. You know we were made for community, for a relationship, mm-hmm. and that 's the purpose of Webster Women of Courage to bring women in the community together. And to help one another, be bold and courageous for God. Yeah. So, that, I think that's the
0: thing that I'm most excited about. Um, I've had a, a dream just for a really long time, of um, of our community and parish um, crossing over those lines, like yeah. those the denomination lines, the um, racial lines, the socioeconomic lines, just every person, every woman in our community coming together um, and just putting all of those differences aside Mm -hmm. for that one sole purpose of community and us being meant to love one another and build each other up. And so that's like, it's been a dream of mine. So I'm just so excited (laughs) that you're the one who is leading (laughs) us into this. Okay. So tell us, tell everybody who's
1: invited. So any woman, really, any woman of <laughs> what any about background. Ages? What about ages? So I don't want to put like a minimum age or anything because right. I feel like it should be, you know, up to the, the parent's discretion. Right. right. So I think that for most of the messages that they're going to be appropriate and good for our teenagers okay, too. Yes. Yeah. I
0: think I know that, a lot of
1: teenage girls that are really actually
0: looking forward to Oh, it. I hope yeah. that they come. Yeah. I'm excited about yeah.
1: that. Um, Now, there will probably be some messages that are going to be a little bit more sensitive and more mature. And so I'm going to try to, like, preface all of those events. And we can do that
0: here. (laughs) We can do that in these podcasts for the befores. You know, we can say, you know, this might be something that, um, you know, is a little more sensitive to a younger ear.
1: That would be perfect. And really... Going back to who's invited, like this is not kind of what you said, this is community, it's not a, a church thing. So that's right. This is not a church affiliated ministry. Right. Right. It's not this is purely a God thing. Yes. And so you don't even have to go to church. Right. <laughs> you don't right. have to be a member of the church. You don't that's have right. to you don't have to be any of those things. Right. You just um it's just meant for women to come together. That's all perfect. women. That's perfect. Okay, so tell us when and where will it take place every month? So it's gonna take place on the third Tuesday of every month. And for the whole year of twenty twenty two and it's gonna be at the Mendon Civic Center each month, thanks to an incredibly generous donor. Who I mean has I can't paid for that space. <laughs> I cannot get over the generosity already
0: from our community. And I believe that it's because those whoever did that knows the need is there yeah. Yeah. for us to start coming together yeah and and doing this to get doing life
1: together so um so I'm just I'm totally amazed by that it's just you know and it's just one of those Mm -hmm. things that's just more not that we need confirmation but God's so gracious that sometimes he provides that confirmation and and just shows us like hey yeah this is really what you're supposed to be doing like I'm gonna make a way he
0: is the way maker that's for sure Yeah. yeah um okay so how can others get involved
1: so one way to get involved um is to help with donations. So and I hate asking for money because that, right. That's just icky sometimes, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. But but we are fully ran off of donations. Right. Um I don't get paid for doing this. That right. none of that comes to me. Um doesn't. <laughs> decor <laughs> <It> doesn't decor. <laughs> so everything that we do. Is either you know just us giving okay. of our resources that we have, or right. from others giving, and so um, that's an incredible way that you can can get involved. Is through that um, we're going to have some different online giving um, methods, and that we'll be sharing. But other ways to get involved, um, we are providing free childcare every month for the event, yeah. and so with that comes the need for people to help serve yeah, in that childcare. Right. So yeah. um, if you need volunteer hours or love working with children yes, or any of that yeah, yeah that's good um and even things just like helping with decorations or cleanup or yep. um any of that if you have any desire to help out with any aspect of it i just ask you can email me at webster of courage at gmail.com mm-hmm. or you can message me directly through our facebook page and that's perfect. women of courage webster parish that's perfect
0: yeah, yeah so y'all be sure and email becca um, let her know, like, if there's any special talents you have yes. or, you know, anything. And I promise she'll probably find <laughs> you a place to, to get plugged in. Absolutely. Because um, we want all involved. Um, okay, so what about um, whose presence are we going to be honored with for this, our first month of January? Um, our speaker and who's doing music for us?
1: So I am super, super excited both about um, our Uh, Worship leader and our speaker. So our worship is going to be led by the incredibly talented Rachel Chapman. Phenomenal. And if you have not heard um, her precious voice, I mean, it's just, it just Uh, is beautiful. It's It's just purely from heaven. It is. That's all it is. It is. True gift. So she's going to be leading worship. And then we're actually going to have Bethany Jones um, from Calvary in Shreveport. She's going to be giving us the message for for our first event and she is just um just Tell a, her what what's she preaching on what like what's she teaching so on she's gonna be topic. talking about um <coughs> our identity in Christ and what that means and what that looks like and um and she's just she's got a, a great um a great testimony. She's got a great word to share. She's involved in a lot of different ministries, just has a has a genuine heart for God mm-hmm. and, and for, for serving Him. So we're really excited about that. Sweet. I'm excited, yeah. too. I'm very excited to
0: listen to her.
1: So yeah. is
0: there anything else that you want to share before we switch over to her message? Because that's what's coming up.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think just um, my prayer is that women are um, just open to the word that's going to be shared mm-hmm. and open to... Um, listening and receiving what Bethany has to share and, and really from God, right? Like it's, it's not, and Bethany will say this too, like it's not her words. It says, is spoken from God, you know? Right. Um, so I just pray that women are open to that and, um, yeah, I'm just, just super excited. Now, this is not something that I discussed with you before, but do you want to say a quick prayer before we? Yeah, sure. Sure. Absolutely. Let's do it. Father God, thank you so much. For this opportunity god i just cannot wrap my head around um just what an honor and a privilege it is to be able to serve you in this way god and i'm just so thankful for all of the women who have stepped up and offered to help uh in this process god Um, i cannot wait to see how you move Mm -hmm. not only through webster parish but just in the lives of women um, from wherever they are god and and for giving us the opportunity to reach not only women in Webster Parish but um, women from anywhere just just through your your gift of technology god i yeah. 'm um, just so thankful for that. I just pray that your hand is on every single part of this ministry, God, and that um, that women come to know you and and surrender their lives to you god and um, want to live courageously for you. That's, um, that's my ultimate prayer for this Lord. I pray that you be with Bethany and, um, with all of our future speakers, Lord, that you just, uh, work on their heart and you give them, um, the words that you want, you want them to share. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for all of your many blessings. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Can't
0: wait. All right. This is good. All right, the next thing you're gonna hear is the introduce uh, introduction for Bethany Jones at our first ever Webster yes. Women of Courage meeting. Thank y'all for tuning in. Bye. I just take a breath. I mean, I
2: don't know what your day has been like, but my day <laughs> you just needed to take a breath. So we're here. We've been led in the worship. I mean, Becca brought a word. I'm like, goodness, Like, let's just talk on that. I will say, just started studying Exodus, so it's taking everything within me, not just to carry out <laughs> midwives. My, my Bible study peeps in the back, and we were just freaking out, but that's literally what we just studied. So I'm, I'm so excited to bring the Word to you tonight, and I'm always honored just to be able to speak about the Word. If you want to sit me down for an hour or two, I will talk it all day long. It's just one of my absolute favorite things to do, and... As um, Becca had called me, and we scheduled to meet up just to talk about this event and kind of, um, you know, the planning of it. This was way back probably in November, and I remember having a conversation with the Lord in the car before I met with her. Just like, okay, Lord, if this does um, come into play. What would you have me speak on? Like, I don't even, like, what What do you want these ladies to hear? And um, without a doubt, 100%, I just felt... The word identity comes with just the Holy Spirit, give that to me. And there were some other events that same day that just confirms that. And so that's obviously what we're going to talk about tonight, and, and specifically what the word tells us our identity is. So I love that you used a dictionary definition too, because it's one of my favorites. But the, the definition of identity is a distinguishing character or personality of an individual. I think we've all asked the questions or heard the questions, who am I? What is my purpose? What was I put here for? Um, I mean, these are questions that people ask whether they're a believer or not. Like, we don't have to be just a Christian to ask those questions. We've all been through those phases. Um, Where's my mamas of young ones in the room? Do I have any of those? Are y'all in contours that been on, like, 24-7 in your home as well? Well, if you're not familiar with it, it's a new movie that's out and I was watching with my kids and I mean they have it memorized by now but um that the whole premise of the movie is identity. It's it's kind of giving you some backstory. It's um about this family and all the family members are given this special gift except for the main character and the whole movie is them wrestling with their worth and their purpose with gifts and without gifts. And I remember hearing one song there's a sister in the movie who has the gift of strength and throughout the movie you see her moving things and throwing things and everybody in the town needs her help to do this and to do that and and of course it's in song form but she says this under the surface: i'm pretty sure i'm worthless if i can't be of service and i'm like oh, that was i mean this is a kid's movie <laughs> but something that got me i don't know if it's just my mom heart or just my personality is that. Like if I can't do all the things that I'm expected to do, then I'm worthless. And so even in this done in a cute way is this wrestling with identity and purpose and who am I and why was I created? And I think it's something that no matter what age, I wish it was something that so, you know, we go through the identity crisis in middle school and high school and college of what's my purpose? What am I going to do in this life? And I wish it was this one and done. But I'd be lying to you if it's not something I struggle with on a daily basis of saying, who am I? What am I here to do? Am I, do I feel, um, you know, purposeful in this life? And so if someone were to ask you that question, what is your identity? I want you to think of the first thing that comes to mind. How would you answer that question? We live in a culture where identity, um, you can be anything you want to be. You know, our culture tells us you can be this today, and if you feel like this, you can be this tomorrow. There's nothing absolute. Um, Maybe you would say that you would define um, your worth or your identity as what you do. You're a mom and a wife. And I know as ladies, That's probably the first one that comes to mind. Maybe your job, our world, and especially social media tells us that it's in our possessions or our status or how busy you are. You know, how many things you have that you're getting your kid here and there and you're doing this in the church or you're doing that, and that's where your worth is. Maybe it's something more on the negative. Maybe something negative in your past is something that defines you, whether it's a divorce or trauma or pain or some sort of failure. And that's what immediately comes to mind when you think about your identity. And all of those things may factor into your identity, but they're not who you are. And they're definitely not who the God of the Bible tells us that we are. So I'm going to kind of preface this because I want us to walk away with two things tonight. I want you to be able to understand how you were created and what our identity was supposed to be. And then we're going to talk about how we can fight to maintain the identity in the world that we live in, how we can um, fight to maintain that identity. So I want to do this. I want to, first off, let's start off in prayer as we open God's word that, um, He will teach us tonight, and then we'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, we praise you, Lord, as we all sit on the stage, Lord, and just look out of um, all these ladies here tonight, Lord, that you've made a way. Lord, it's a Tuesday night. Lord, there's so much going on. There's so much sickness. There's just so much going on in our lives, and that you made a way for every single lady in this room to be here tonight, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that we would just take a deep breath, Lord. That at the reading of your word and the teaching of the word, that you would transform our hearts tonight, Father. I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would be in this place, and God, as your word is living and active, may it just speak to us tonight in your precious and holy name. So, before we jump right in into talking about who we are and who we are created, I think we first have to have an understanding of who the creator is. So we're going to start off in the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, Um, and so we'll be in Genesis 1 for just a little bit if you want to turn there. But before we jump into the book of Genesis, I want you to have a little bit of context about the book of Genesis. So the book of Genesis was written by Moses, um, most likely in in the wilderness when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness, likely just before they walked into the promised land. And if you remember how the story goes, these Israelites had been in captivity in Egypt for years and years. They were enslaved. They were mistreated. They were surrounded by the Egyptian pagan gods. So honestly, these Israelites were people who had lost their identity. They really didn't know who they are. They, they had all this trauma from the bondage and the slavery that they did. You and know, they knew a little bit about this God that their ancestors served. But they also knew all about these pagan gods that the people um, also worshipped in Egypt. So Mo- Moses compiles the book of Genesis um, while they're in the wilderness. So that the people would have a reminder, like this tangible reminder to take with them into the promised land of who they were how they were created, and a picture of the God they served. He gives them like a picture of their roots. You know how often we go to Ancestry.com or we go into all these things to to navigate and figure out our ancestors to kind of give us a better idea of who we are. This was what the book of Genesis was written for. So put yourself in their shoes. This is the Israelites just come out of this land. They don't know who, who they are, and they're hearing Moses Tell them who their roots are. This is who you are. This is the God you serve. This is how you were created. And so it was a book for them, but it's also a book of our roots, too. So in the very first line of the very first book, Genesis 1, we're all familiar with this, is um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so in the very first line, we are introduced to an all-powerful Always existing God A God That was there before any of the Earth that we know our existence Was In Psalm 92 it says Before the mountains were born You gave birth to the earth and to the World from eternity to Eternity your God Another translation says from everlasting To everlasting Let that sink in a minute Think just a moment about the bigness Of God if you want to get an even better picture of, um, of the Lord and his, and his might, go read Isaiah 40. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. Isaiah forty twenty five says, To whom will you compare me? This is God speaking. To whom will you compare me? Or to who is my equal? Ask the Lord. Look up and see who created these. He calls out the stars by name. He calls them all by name because of his great power and his great strength. Not one of them is missing. And in verse 28 it says, Do you know, have you not heard, that the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth? He never becomes faint or weary, and there is no limit to his understanding. Sit in that a moment. We serve an infinite God. And if I'm honest, my, my mind struggles with this concept. To think that there was a God who always was, who always will be. I love things that have a start and a stop. I love a good calendar. I love knowing things are supposed to happen, when things are supposed to end. And if I'm honest. It's because I like to be in control. But for me to grasp the fact that our God is beyond my comprehension makes me have to resign myself that on this earth I'm never going to fully understand who he is. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We could spend hours on just studying the character of God. But when we look at him through this lens, it's even more amazing that he's also the God that says he draws near, right? We see him as this infinite, huge God, but we also know that he is a God that draws near. That a huge, infinite God also wants a relationship with us. Even in the language of Genesis 1 and 2, we see this. And this is why I love the studying of God's Word. If you were to look in your Bibles in Genesis 1, you would see the term just God, G-O-D, in the first chapter of Genesis. And that's the term Elohim, God Almighty, the God that created the heavens and the earth. But then if you flip over to Genesis 2, it's the creation narrative repeated, but it's almost like we're putting a spotlight on. Um, The creation of man and if you look in your Bibles, it'll be the term Lord God Instead it switches and that's the term Yahweh. That's the term that um, for God that was given to Moses at the burning bush I am that I am, but it's the personal name for God So just in the two chapters of Genesis 1 and 2 we're only two chapters in he's already the God of infinite glory but he's also the God who wants to have a personal relationship with man. So from the beginning, God wanted to come near. If you look at Genesis 1 um, in the garden, God had this perfect relationship with man. It said that he even came down in the pool of the evening to walk with them. It says um, that he's a God that knows us. If you want to um, read Psalm 139, it talks about how he formed us and he molded us in our mother's womb, that he knew who we were before we were born, that he hymns us in before and behind, that he knows every thought that we think. Luke 127 says that he knows every hair on our head. And Psalm 56, 8 says he's collected every tear that you cried. He's a God that knows us. <coughs> So I love just thinking about these two things because they're things that shouldn't go together. That a huge, infinite, glorious God wants to intimately know all of us individually. So um, in this human existence, you know, we kind of have to wrestle back and forth with this God Almighty. But also this God who comes near, depending on like maybe your background or your church or um, wherever you've been, you may lean one way or another. You may um, see God rightly as the infinite, holy, faraway God, but you've never experienced his nearness. Or maybe you're a little bit too much on this God who's your BFF and best friend and you forget to worship him as the holy, infinite, creator God that he is. We see this in the Lord's Prayer. What's the first line? Our Father in Heaven. These two things married together. That He's our Father, relational. He's also the God of Heaven. who should be revered as holy and worshiped as such. And it's this tension we kind of have to wrestle with throughout our existence here on this earth to maintain this right view of God. That He is both infinite and holy and all-powerful and all-knowing. And we rejoice that so He's also Emmanuel. That He's god near us and with us and he came to dwell with his people so now we'll look at Genesis 1 and in verses 26 and 27 there's this little kind of poem like stanza and it says so God created man in his own image he created him in the image of God he created them male and female and I love thinking about this in the context of the Israelites and there's such a poeticness and rhythm to Genesis 1. And I imagine these little Israelite dads teaching this to their sons. And remember, like I, I, almost like in a poem, like we teach our kids these little kids songs. This is something I don't want you to forget. So I'm going to write it with rhythm and stance so that it's something that sticks into your head. You were created in the image of God. Nothing else on this earth was created in the image of God except man. As beautiful as creation is, as wonderful as your dog is, as amazing as all the animals that you see are, they were not created in the image of God. There was only us. So in the, in the perfection of the Garden of Eden, we see God's perfect plan. Adam and Eve were created to image a perfect God. And the way I, I, I like to think about it is almost like they were this mirror That when creation looked at them, all they saw was the glory of God. That was their purpose. That was their role. As they ate, as they drank, as they worshiped, as they played, as they worked, whatever they did, they were just reflections of God and his glory to the rest of the world. I love a verse in Ephesians 2.10. It tells us that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for us to do prepared ahead of time for us to do. And the word workmanship there in um, the original language is the word poema. So if you were to replace that, it's actually where we get the English word, poem. So you are God's poem. You're his work of art. You're his workmanship. You're his masterpiece. Isn't that awesome to think what the Lord thinks of you? Because I know for me, that's not how I think of myself most of the time. But to think that the Lord looks on us as a a loving father, adoring his creation. It says that we are his workmanship. We are his point. You were created on purpose for a purpose. None of us were an accident to the Father. He knew us before the beginning of time and gave us all a purpose here on this earth. And this verse also gives us the reason While we were created this way, it says we were created to do good works and not just to do good things so we can stay busy and do good things. But as we abide in the Lord, we will be reflections of his goodness so that as we talk and as we have relationship and as we work, that we would do these good works so everyone could see the father, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. And I love just sitting in Genesis 1 and 2 just for a little bit. Because it gives me just this small picture of what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be this way. Not only just perfect, but also to have this uninterrupted relationship with the Lord. It says in Genesis two twenty five 25, um, that both man and his wife were naked and yet they felt no shame. Which sounds really weird to us, but I think about it even this morning. My son, do I have to convince the to wear house? <laughs> loves to run around the house and make it as I let him get, but has no shame. You know, that joyous feeling in childhood where, you know, their kids are running around. And that's the feeling we get here in Genesis. This is the way it was supposed to be. Walking in the cool of the evening with the father. So as the story goes, we only get to live in this perfection for two chapters, and then we hit Genesis 3, and this is where sin enters the world. Adam and Eve listened to the lies of the serpents, believed the lie that God was holding out on them. The serpent took the truth, and he twisted it just enough to win a seed of doubt in Eve's heart. And I was thinking through this. It's interesting to me that the serpent didn't just come and say, Hey, Adam, hey, Eve, you don't want to go against God with me? He didn't do that. If you read the passage, he takes the truth and just adds a little bit extra to it. Just changes it just a little bit. Just planted a seed of doubt in their minds. If you read um, Genesis 3, 1 through 5, it says, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, you know, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? And the serpent, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the fruits of the tree in the garden, but, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, you must not eat it or, you, or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And right here, I feel like maybe we had the first identity crisis. So Adam and Eve were these perfect reflections of the Lord. And the serpent comes and says to them, I mean, are you happy with that? Don't you want to be like God? Maybe he's holding out on you. Maybe your purpose is to be God. And so um, he twists the truth just enough And here's the thing, he's doing the same thing today. He hasn't changed. He's still taking a little bit of good truth from this world, and he twists it just a little bit to convince us. And that's why I'm so passionate about ladies specifically knowing the word of God. Because he's going to do the same thing to us on a day-by-day basis. He's not going to come to you outright and say, hey, let's go against God together. He's going to take some little truth twist it just enough that it sounds good and because you don't know the truth of the gospel and of the word, you're going to be convinced to go along. It's not enough for your pastor or your Bible study leader to know the word and, and tell it to you. You have to know it for yourself. You see, when sin entered into the world, it caused yes, brokenness, and it caused pain, and it caused darkness, but most of all, it's Separated us from a communing relationship with God. No longer would he dwell over the fullness of the earth with us. Essentially, Adam and Eve went from reflecting a perfect and holy God, and they turned that mirror around. Now they were just reflecting themselves. And that's what it looks like when we live with sin in our hearts. We're reflecting ourselves, and we're not reflecting the glory of God like we were created to do. We're all created in the imago die. That means that we're all created in the image, image of God, whether you believe in him or not. That's why we as believers say that all life is valuable. Because we are all image bearers. We're all created in the image of God. But it's what are you reflecting? After Genesis 3, sin defined who we were. Sin and death. We were a people that needed a new identity. There's a passage in John 10.10, and it's Jesus kind of giving this parable of sorts, talking about how he's the good shepherd and how the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy and steal his lambs. And he says in John 10.10 that a thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. In the garden, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruits, of the tree, God had told them they would die. And they didn't physically fall dead the minute that they ate that fruit, but sin entered their hearts and it brought this spiritual death into them at that moment. We've all heard the verse in Romans six twenty three that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So the Lord knew that this sin, you know, in all of his goodness, and as he does, he knew if they of that fruit, it would lead them to death. So he made a way to bring us life again. And I love that verse because it doesn't say just life. I've come to give you life again. But I've come to give you life in abundance. More than you can think of. More than you could possibly even imagine. And we believe that Jesus came to this earth fully God, fully man, as a humble baby, and he led a perfect life on this earth, and he willingly offered his life on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He took the penalty of death that we deserved. We were the sinners, but yet he took it for us. He didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve it. We did. And three days later, he would walk out of the tomb to show that he had truly conquered death. But to walk in that abundant life, you know, he says he offers it, but how do we get the abundant life that he's offered? There has to be a time in our life where we've come before the Lord and we've confessed our sin before him and we've truly mourned that apart from him we're we're nothing. And we ask him for forgiveness. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 51. It's the psalm that um, David writes after he's caught in adultery with Bathsheba. And then um, he soon after murders um, her husband. Just a few small things all at once. Um, And we see this picture in Psalm 51 that um, he is confronted with his sin. And we know David is this man. He's called the man after God's own heart. And we often look at him and say, how could someone sin so big and still be a man after God's own heart? If you read the Psalms, he's a man who's so passionate about the Lord. And it was almost like he's just as passionate in his sin. But what I love is he was just as passionate about his repentance. If you read Psalm 51, he doesn't try to make excuses for himself. He doesn't say, well, Lord, you don't know what the pressure was. I just needed to go do something. He didn't try to make excuses or say why he did these things or to write off his sin. It says he mourns before the Lord. He says, create in me a new heart, Father. He says, look in my heart and find every secret place. And so he is... To me, just the greatest reminder of what true repentance looks like—that there is this mourning over our sin and realization of who we are apart from Christ. You know, I often think we approach sometimes the sin in our life as, as my kids do you whenever know, they're caught fighting with each other, and you know, you make them say sorry, and they look at you and you know, no, no sincerity. And so I feel that way sometimes when we we kind of approach our sins, like, I'm, I'm sorry about that. But has there ever been this time where we mourn over our sin and just sitting for a moment the realization of who we are without Christ? So if you ever need an example of that, go read Psalm 51. Let that be your measure for repentance and turning away from sin in your life. And so through faith, we are saved from the penalty of sin, which is death. So when the Father looks at us and we have come to him and we have asked him for forgiveness of our sins, he no longer sees the sinfulness of us, but he sees his son. There's a verse in Isaiah 60 that says that he clothes us with his robes of righteousness. And I love that picture because I just see this picture of us kneel before the Father and Jesus just puts this robe over us. So when the Father looks down on us, he doesn't see our brokenness anymore. He doesn't see our sin, but he sees the perfection of the Son. And I love that picture. He declares us righteous from our past, present, and future sin. Hear me when I say this. You cannot out the cross. There's nothing you have done, you can do, or will do that Jesus didn't pay for on that cross. So know that. Ephesians 2.8 says that we are saved by grace through faith. And as I was studying for this, someone asked the question of, have you ever considered why is it faith? Why do we have to come to the Lord with faith? Why can't we just come to the Lord with our love, with our joy? Listen to this quote. It says, faith is the one attitude of the heart that is the exact opposite of depending on ourselves. When we come to faith in Christ, we essentially say, I give up. I will not depend on myself or my own good works any longer. I know I can never make myself righteous before God. In this way, faith is the exact opposite of trusting in ourselves. And I thought that was such a good way of what that looks like when we come before the Father. I surrender. I give up. I can't do it on my own. I've tried to be good on my own. I've tried to live with purpose on my own. But I realize that I cannot do it myself. It's the opposite of trusting in ourselves. The word then says that we are adopted into the family of God. That we're no longer slaves to the sin in our lives. And from this first step, we're called to grow in holiness and to be better image bearers day by day. So, um, as Becca said, we're in the process of adopting and have been for a while now. Our little girl is in China. Um, We started the process for her specifically in 2019, had all the paperwork done, and then COVID hit. And so we've been waiting literally just to travel to go get her for two years now. And so I don't know if any of y'all foster or been in the adoption world, but to um, do through the process, you have to go through a lot of training on trauma in kids and what it looks like to walk with them through their trauma. And so, I'm not an expert by any means on post-adoption. If you want some help in the waiting process, I'm your girl. But I know enough to know that when we bring our little girl home, it's going to be this joyous, wonderful occasion, of course. But it's not going to be all rainbows and unicorns. There's going to be some hard days. She was abandoned at a young age. She's lived in an orphanage um, and foster home for seven years. So we know that we're going to have to walk alongside her in that trauma. And it's the same way for me. Going through this adoption process has been so good for my soul just to see how the Lord adopts us and what that looks like. Um, but it's the same with our walk with the Lord. We may have this moment of repentance where we come before the Lord um, and we choose to follow Him and we'll repent of ourselves. And we kind of think everything should just be perfect. I should just not sin and everything's great. We still bear the trauma of sin in our lives. We still, it still has power over us. Just like my little girl, as amazing as it's going to be when she comes into our home, she's still going to bear some of the scars of her past. And in the same way, when we come and we accept Jesus as our Savior, we're still going to have to deal with the sin trauma in our lives. But as we work to grow more like Jesus, as we abide in Him, as we come together and we read His word, as we worship together, the hope and the goal is that sin will slowly lose its grip on us. I love this quote that we're called to long steady obedience in the same direction. This this process of becoming more like Christ is it, not easy. And I know, like with our little girl, there's going to be some hard days ahead, but I wouldn't trade them for anything to know that she's home with us. We kind of, um, I, I, we teach teams, my husband and I teach preteens on um, Sunday morning and Wednesday nights, and I'll often explain the process to them like this, is that when we first come to know the Lord, it's like you're hiking on a mountain path. So when you choose to follow Jesus, you pick this path. I'm following this path because it leads me to Jesus. And so that's your first step on the path. But the next steps are day by day by day. We're climbing up this mountain until we reach the top and we reach and we see our Jesus face to face. And so our goal is that in step by step by step, we reflect his glory more. Every single day, we bear his image better and better and better. So a good way to gauge that is to look back in your life a year ago. Can you see how your walk with the Lord, do you reflect him better now than you did a year ago? Because in our Christian walk, we're never going to obtain perfection in this life. But we should look more and more and more like Jesus every day that we go. And it's through this process that Jesus gives us a new identity. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. He said it's a new creation. He didn't say, hey, you're a new person. Hey, I'm going to come put a little super glue on you. I'm going to clean you up a little bit. But we're going all the way back to Genesis. We're going all the way back to the beginning, and I'm going to transform you into a new creation. See, a lot of times we want to have our own identity, and we just want to add a little God to it. We put our God's community back on him, you know? <laughs> I put them on, I want a little bit of God, I'm going to get them at church, I'm going to get a little bit of Bible reading, but then I can take them off at any given chance. If I want to you know, go out and have work friend, fun with my work friends, or I want to watch this movie that I know is not going to make me look more like Jesus. And so instead of transforming our very core, we just put them on when we want them. We just add them to our already existing identity, and that's not what he came to do. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all with unveiled faces, as in looking up near mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. If we abide with Jesus, if we do these things to look more like Jesus, we can look at him and we will be transformed into him every day, more and more. And as we talked from the beginning, we have a God who knows us. Right? We talked in one Psalm 139 tells us that He is a God who knows our thoughts. So when He gives us commands and He gives us rhythms to follow, it's for our good. I've used my kids a lot in this illustration. Like I would watch this, but um, I think about my kids at bedtime. time. Looking, I'm like, do we have to go through the meltdown that you're having to go to bed? we have done this for nine years. <laughs> <laughs> no, and they whine and they complain, and I don't just like give it up and just say, "It's fine," because I know that going to bed at a good time is good for their health. It's good for them, and I'm praying it's for their good attitudes in the morning. <laughs> so it's the same way with the Lord; as He's given us these rhythms and these things to do for our good. When the Lord asks us to know his word, it isn't because having a quiet time just makes you a better Christian, makes your day better. It's because when we're in his word, we get to know him better. We see his goodness and his love, and we, in turn, love him better. We read the stories of Abraham and God's promise to an old man with no children that he would be a father of nations, and we remember... That he is a God who is faithful to his promises. We read the story of the temple and the tabernacle in the Old Testament. How God's glory would come down into the Holy of Holies. And we get this shadow of what's to come. That in the New Testament, Jesus would come so that we could be living, walking temples of God. With the presence of God in us. We read the story of Moses and the birth of the nation. And we see glimpses of ourselves as those unfaithful, whining Israelites who continually chase after false gods, and we see a patient, long-suffering God who continues to pursue them anyway. We read about David in the Psalms, and we see that we can serve a God, and we can cry out to joy, but we can also cry out in anguish. We read the story of the Gospels, and we see the perfect, ultimate image-bearer of Jesus who came to show us what it's like for flesh and blood to literally reflect the image of God. So we don't just read the Bible for a quick fix-me-up to make ourselves feel good in the mornings or make ourselves better, better Christians. We do it to know our God. One of my absolute favorite quotes, and I think it's because it's so true for my life, is um, a quote that says, you cannot love, your heart can't love what your mind doesn't know. And I love that. And Psalm 1 kind of gives us this idea. that It says, how happy is the one who delights in the instruction of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night. He doesn't just think about it. It's not this devotion that went in one ear and out the other on my way to work. It's one that I read it and then throughout the day I'm thinking about his faithfulness and I'm thinking about his love and I'm letting it sink to the deepest places of my heart. The Lord also establishes examples of prayer for us to follow in the word so that we have access to the creator of the universe through prayer we have access to the god of creation and we often take that for granted he calls us to live in community in our local churches and which i totally understand is not the easiest thing to do because the church is full of people my husband and I often joke that church life would be so much better if just people weren't in it. You know, they rub us the wrong way, they say one thing, they do another, they fail us. But the Lord calls us to be a part of community for our good. To be with other believers who can rally us, who can call us to a deeper walk to the Lord, who can call us out in our sin, who can encourage us to walk a holy life. And we go to church each week to worship, not just to sing good songs, but it's meant to reorient our focus, to take the focus off ourselves and our problems, and we focus on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and that He alone is worthy of praise. That's the purpose of worship. That's the purpose of church. We are people who are quick to forget the faithfulness of God. We're not much unlike the Israelites you see in Exodus who were every other chapter making false gods when God had just done something miraculous in their life. But we're people who are so quick to forget the good news and the character of God and the gospel. So instead of looking at these things as another thing I need to check off my list or be a better Christian, let's look at them as lifelines of how we're going to make it and be faithful in this life. These are the rhythms the Lord has called us to the only way we're going to make it. We serve a God who knows us. He knows what's for our good. He knows these are the things that you need to do so that you can be faithful, so that you can know me, so that you can know me better, that you can reflect me better. Over in John 10, um, I referenced it a little bit earlier, but the first part of John 10 is this passage and. Jesus calls himself a good shepherd, and he talks about how he cares for his sheep, and that the thief comes to try to, to steal the sheep, but he's the one who's watching out for his flock. And it says, when what Jesus says, when he has brought them all, all on his own outside, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Do you know the Father's voice? Do you know the Father's voice so well that when the enemy comes and he whispers these lies in your ear, you're like, no, that is not my Father's voice. How well do we know the Lord? That's why he calls us into relationship with him, that we're so familiar with the things of his word, that when the enemy comes and tells us these lies, we can immediately say, no, that is not of the Lord. And once again, I've talked about Exodus a lot tonight. Um, we see the story of the Israelites. And they had just come out of Egypt and literally just crossed over from the Red Sea. All of their supplies had gone dry, and they literally became hungry. You know, we all don't have the best attitudes when we're hungry. So hunger had set in, and the grumble of their bellies quickly led them to feeling hopeless. I mean, literally, we are just minutes from them crossing over from the Red Sea. The Lord had opened the Red Sea, and they've walked over on dry land. They've been delivered from slavery and, like, immediately. They're quick to forget God's provision. So the Lord gives them manna each day. You know, this, this bread rains down from heaven. But what I find interesting is how he gave it to them. You know, knowing me and time management, I would give them like a week's worth, and you know, you're good for a while. But they actually had clear instructions that they were only to gather what they could eat for the day, and if they gathered more than that, and they stored it in their tent, it said that worms came and ate it. So they were to look to the Father. Remember, this is a people who were trying to learn who God was. So they had to look to the sky daily for God to be their provider. And that's the same thing we should do in our day-to-day lives, is we should look to the heavens and say, God, you're my provider, I need you on a daily basis. In fact, in John 6, Jesus describes himself as the bread of life. So I, I pray and I hope that you'll treat your time in the Word and in prayer and in worship as your daily provision from the Father. We need these times with the Lord just as much as your body needs physical food. So this one-time-a-week, one-time-a-month Bible study, if that's all you're getting, you are spiritually malnourished. And how can you be equipped to fight the fight that you need to fight if you are so malnourished you don't even have the energy to fight? So just like that picture of the manna that the Israelites gathered, God is to be our daily provider. He is to give us provision day by day by day. And I believe that the enemy, he wants to keep you at this like superficial level of Christianity. Just be a little casual. Just be a little taste in here. Be a casual partaker in his Word. Get it on Sundays. That's enough. And we push down the Spirit's call to go deeper. We go to church occasionally. We read our Bibles occasionally. We kind of mask that calling with maybe some Netflix and Facebook and self-care. And here the Spirit's calling. Go deeper with me I want to bring you abundant life Not just life, I want to bring you abundance I want to bring you peace I want to heal you I want to give you a new identity So my question For you first of all is Where is your identity Can you say that your identity has been transformed Has there been a time in your life When you can say you've come before the Father mourned your sin And said Lord I want to be transformed Who are you reflecting? Whose glory are you reflecting? You see, the neat thing about this is that when we reflect his glory to the world, we're literally bringing little pieces of Eden to our broken world. When you reflect the Father to the rest of the world, we're we're helping heal the woundedness of this brokenness that we live in. Um, a few years ago, we did um, a conference, and um, the theme was redeemed. I'm like I talked a little ago, I love a good good definition, and I keep um, this little card actually on my fridge at home, and just looked up the dictionary definition of what it means to be redeemed. In First Peter three, uh, 18 First Peter one eighteen through nineteen, it says, "For you um, know that you were redeemed from an empty way of life, inherited from your fathers." But not with perishable things like silver, with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. So if you look at the word redeemed, let me read you just what this means. It says that it means to buy back, to free from what distresses or harms, such as to free from captivity by the payment of ransom. To extricate from or help someone overcome something detrimental. To release from blame or debt. To free from the consequences of sin. To change for the better. To repair and to restore. That's what Jesus came to do for us. He came to redeem us from an empty way of life and to give us a new identity. That we could be reflections of his goodness and his beauty and his grace to the rest of the world. So we're going to have a time of closing tonight and here's the question I just want you to think of. I'm not one for a big emotional response but we've been blessed with space. You've been given time, your kids are being taken care of you've carved out time to be here. So let's use it. I'm going to have Rachel come up and play here in just a second and I just hope that you would maybe take time to go before the Father. Answer that first question. Where is your identity? Has there ever been a time in your life that you have been transformed through the blood of Jesus? That you've come before him and you've mourned His sin and said, I no longer want to live my life for you, but I want to die to myself that I can live in you and have abundant life in you. Has there ever been a time in your life? And maybe there has been, but you haven't seen yourself as reflecting the glory of the Father like you should have. And then we're all going to have those days. But here's our goal. Slow, steady obedience in the same direction. Not this overnight thing, but this day by day going to the Father for his provision. Just like the Israelites went to him with manna. And we grow deeper and deeper. We read his word and we know him better and better. So that he can free us from the power of sin in our life. And that we can have a new identity in him. So my challenge, and um, I don't typically do like New Year's resolutions. We just come out of the new year. But I do love to do like a word for the year. Just something that helps me grow deeper in the Lord. And as I was thinking through this, that's the word that came to mind to speak over you is deeper. How tonight all of us can find a way to go deeper in our walk with the Lord. What does that look like? Maybe that's intentional time in His Word daily. Maybe that's finding a Bible study group. Maybe that's finding a church home. Maybe that's finding a group of ladies that you just pray together. What does that physically look like? Maybe there is some specific sin in your heart that is keeping you from the abundant life that the Lord has called you to. Because it's in that life that you have freedom. You weren't meant to live chained to the bondage of sin. He came and He died on the cross for that. So maybe there's something specifically that you need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm so tired of living in bondage. I want to confess. I want to be like David, and I want to come to you and confess that to you because I want to live in the abundance that you've given me. So I don't know where on that scale that you are, but like, let's just take a little time to come before the Lord. You just need to sit and worship him at your seat. Maybe you need to turn your chair into an altar and pray for him. But whatever that is, the Lord has gifted us this time together, so let's use it. So we're just going to have a little time. Um, they're just going to play for us. So if you want to stand, you can. If you want to sit, if you want to kneel, you have the freedom to do whatever that looks like. But please.
0: Don't waste this time. Hey, hey, okay, we're back um, after the first Women of Courage Webster Parish meeting in January. It happened January 18th, and so we are here, Becca Wilder and myself, Laura Spillers, to talk about all of the good messages and takeaways that we learned from Bethany Jones, our friend from Calvary. Um, but first, Becca is going to share a little bit about what she was um dealing with right before the 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 first meeting, and all of the different things just kind of leading up to the first um meeting that night
1: yeah, so Laura, it was pretty crazy, so I woke up that morning and like I started getting text messages from people saying like oh, I can't come, COVID, or I'm sick, or this, and they can't come, and so people just kind of started canceling left and right, and I kind of went into like this, oh my goodness, what in the world, and then it was in that instance that the the double was like, you're only going to have 50 people there tonight. (laughs) Only 50 people are going to show up. I know you've, um, you know, you have food for 300, but only 50 people are going to show up, so then I'm like spiraling, like, what are we gonna do with all of this leftover um, gumbo? Like, what what am I gonna do with just fifty people? And uh, anyway, so spiraled, right? Because that's right. what we do when that's the devil right. starts feeding us lies. Yeah, and <laughs> we
0: listen to it. Yes, yes, yes.
1: So even up until I mean, let's see, the event started at six, and so I would say even up until five o'clock, I was still like, nobody's What's gonna, gonna show to up. Like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna have fifty people. Like. I have all of this. What are we gonna do? Right. And then people kind of started coming and Trickling filling in, and and more and more people started coming in, and more and more people started coming in. It was an un, <laughs> It was an unbelievable pouring
0: out in of people. It was, I mean, I think my jaw was just hit the floor when when we started seeing like lines, like there were lines of ladies just waiting to come in, and it was. Uh, just unbelievable we were all in such awe of the crowd
1: yeah Yeah. absolutely and then we had um we had to go get more tables and chairs and so (laughs) I had some great ladies helping me do that and I as they were doing that I went backstage and I just sobbed
0: I wondered I wondered if you did like I just I mean how could you not
1: And it was all happy tears, right? It was just just
0: in awe of the goodness of God. Like just his, and, and the fact is, you know, we, we knew being the lady, ladies that um, are in our community, we all knew that there was a hunger for all of us to get together Yeah. But we just didn't know what hindrances there were going to be, and you know you just never can you just, tell you just yeah. never know yeah. but what the fun thing was is that Becca like explained all of this during the first part before um uh before Bethany started speaking, and everybody was kind of getting that inside like they heard what you were fearing, and then they were sitting in the midst of almost yeah. four hundred ladies, yeah. And so they got to see the inside of that, you know, kind of what happened before and what was going on right then to yeah. see just how amazing the whole thing turned out to be. So it, it was, was
1: cool. It was really, really cool. And yeah. then seeing, you know... How many people were tuning tuning in virtually? And, you know, tell me about that cuz I have no oh, idea. Oh my goodness. There were I think like on the YouTube stream there were over 300 and then on the Facebook oh, live no, there were I... over 900. <gasps> no way. Yes. And I was just like what? No, that number can't be right. Like that could not be right. Like there are not that many women tuning oh, in. Wow. <laughs> so, it's just like
0: oh, it's it was so just, good. It's it crazy. So good
1: it's and God it, it is
0: it is he gets all the glory for sure, for sure that's yeah. amazing, yeah. okay, so give us sort of um, a recap of Bethany Jones and her um, her talk that night um, as as we got to listen in and learn from her
1: yeah, so the the main message um, that she shared was just really about our identity and what that looks like. Um, as our identity in Christ. And so she focused a lot in Genesis, right? Because that's where, you know, it, God's that's talking about like all yeah. of creation and, yeah. and stressing, like we were created in God's own image mm-hmm. and we were created for a purpose. Like every single person that is here was, mm-hmm. is, was put here for a specific purpose. And the, the main purpose is to glorify him. Right. right. And to serve him. And, um, and so just kind of looking at, well, what does that actually look like? And right. are we doing that? Right. And, and one thing that she said that probably was my favorite thing that she said was, you know, we are we're all created in the image of God, but what is it that we are reflecting? Right. And that was like, man.
0: Kind of it kind of sucks you in the stomach. Yes. I mean, honestly, because when you think about it, you know, we can all sit around and and say we read our Bibles once, twice a day or, you know, whatever, but like it doesn't matter how mu- how much time you spend in the word if you're not reflecting it, if it's right. not coming out in your actions, um, right. then what's it for? You know? Yeah. So yeah. um that's a yes, that was a very, very good point. Um at some point that night she had said the thing that kind of stuck out to me was um, you can't out-send the the cross. Yeah. Like, there's nothing that you can do um, that 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 forgiveness and blood won't cover. And um, I just loved that that was that reassurance because, you know, we have no idea that many ladies coming into a room um, together (laughs) where any of our walks are. I mean, you have no idea where... You know where everybody is in their path, and somebody needed to hear that. Yeah. And, um, so, of course, all of it spoke to somebody in the room. Yeah. You yeah. know every every single word was was probably caught by one person, at least one person in the room. So, yeah. um, it was yeah. such a sweet night.
1: Such it a was, sweet night it was, and just um, <clears throat> just hearing that. Uh, reassurance, you know, from, from God's word and then, and Bethany kind of bringing that to life. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just how precious our lives really are. And to and, him. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Another, another thing that I remember her saying was how infinite our God is and how, you know, he's master creator. We're his masterpiece.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, and he is so infinite and huge, but at the same time he draws near to mm-hmm. us and he's still so personal um, to each and every one of us. And so just a, that's such a comfort to know that, um, that we're his. We're his his daughters. And, um, and that means that, um, that we get to be near to him, you know, all the time. And so we can identify with that, too, as being those adopted daughters of a king. Absolutely. So. Absolutely.
2: Anyway, yeah.
0: it was a really good night. Uh great fellowship. I loved watching um so many which I didn't really watch, but I saw um how how many different people worship together. Yep. Like yeah. I loved seeing um Rachel, her music was wonderful and just seeing how all different ladies Worship Mm -hmm. together and Mm -hmm. they were themselves and everybody seemed very comfortable yeah you know um it just felt like one body yeah it felt like one body and so I think that's um definitely a good a good goal to have is you know is this meeting together um that we're just we're all one body and we can all gather together so so what are you looking forward to for the next time like Uh, Okay, so the next date is February, what? 15th. Okay. Day after Valentine's Day. Okay, so we have February 15th, same time. Mm -hmm. Same time, same place. Okay. And, um, And, like, what are you kind of anticipating or looking
1: forward to so i actually think it's going to be a little bit a potentially a little bit heavier okay night than january Mm -hmm. um just with the the content and the testimonies that we're going to have um uh one one sweet lady just share um her kind of quick testimony and then whitney kate will be our main speaker and both of the women just have really um
0: not well. I
1: mean, difficult. Yeah, class yes, and, and for stories. sure. They had and some,
0: they have some really deep, some deep struggles. Yeah, uh, that not. I would say they're not super. Probably not super common. I don't know. I hate to even generalize that. Yeah. Um, but they're heavy. It's just going to yeah. be a little they're heavier, heavy. and yeah.
1: I think it's going to be you know, uh, some really good truth from God's word that we can all relate to mm-hmm. at some point, even mm-hmm. if you can't relate to, no, you know, Specifically, to their specific right. stories. But, um, I'm just really, I'm really excited to see, uh, just how God moves through their personal testimonies. Yeah. Agreed. Yes.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to that too. Yep.
1: Um,
0: so you guys, anybody that didn't get to make it to the first meeting, Um, we really hope that you can join us for the second meeting in February. And, um, if you can't meet us, if you can't be in the place, tell us all the things that they can do in order to,
1: uh, be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So be sure to go, um, on Facebook, go like our page. It's Women of Courage Webster Parish. That's our Facebook page. And so we'll be streaming, the um, the event live on Facebook, and then we'll also be streaming it live on YouTube, and that's Women of Courage Webster Parish as well on yeah, YouTube. So, awesome, couple different okay. options. <laughs> be sure and invite your
0: friends. We yes. would love to have whoever can can be there.
1: So yes, yeah. Tell
0: people about us. Uh, tell people about that that live stream and uh, the YouTube post and all of that. So you yeah. know anybody can be a part of it. So. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. All right. Okay, see you later, guys. Bye.